Like many forms of entertainment in the age of the handheld screen, the circus has become a bit of a curiosity. What might be even more obscure is the role Bloomington, Indiana has played in Big Top history. In the first of a two-part series, WFIU's Aubrey Cedar heads back to the 19th century to explore the history of the circus in Bloomington and picks up the thread in the early 1980s when a revival began that spawned a new generation of troopers. It's around six o'clock on a warm fall evening. And in one Bloomington backyard, several people are standing on top of a small platform 20 feet in the air. It's just one part of a huge high-flying trapeze rig. Bernadette Pace, reaches out with a long hook to pull the trapeze towards her. She takes the bar in both hands and calls out a trick to the catcher. He accepts her request, readies himself, and calls out to her, ready? She affirms, now in position, leaning out over that 20-foot drop below her, poised to swing. She jumps back, her feet lifting off the pedestal for a moment, and then she is in flight. Oh, flying is, is, is absolutely wonderful. That's Bernadette Pace, and this is her backyard. It is so <laughs> exhilarating. It's the daily practice for a troupe of high-flying trapeze artists known as the Bloomington High Flyers. When you're doing it, you know, it's sort of scary, Mm-hmm. And then you do it, and you're just filled with elation that you've just done something wonderful. Dozens of performers have passed through the troops' ranks since Bernadette founded it in the early 80s. At present, there are around 8 to 10 members. Bernadette's backyard has been the crucible of a circus community for the last 30 years. But over a century ago, just a few miles west of here, Bloomington grew its own nationally touring circus and hosted many others. And actually the gentry farm was right around in this area. Christina Downs is making reference to a stretch of land along South Rogers Street in Bloomington. Uh, They know the house was somewhere around where the Cook Pharmaca building is now, but I also know that the property itself stretched to the railroad tracks, which are now the B-line, so somewhere in there. (laughs) Christina is a slack rope walker and an aerialist who has been training in circus arts since 2003, but She is also a doctoral candidate in folklore at Indiana University. Uh, Back in the real days, Bloomington was at the conjuncture of a lot of railroads, so a lot of the bigger circuses stopped in Bloomington that wouldn't have necessarily stopped in towns this size because it was a convenient place to stop. So Ringling Brothers, Hagenbeck Wallace, all of them would always do shows in Bloomington. Henry Gentry actually had started as a teenager, joined up with a show that was coming through town that was a, a show of trained dogs and uh, traveled with that show for a little while and wound up getting ripped off by the owner of the show. And so he kind of returned to Bloomington penniless (laughs) with his tail between his legs, Uh, but uh, very interested in uh, running these shows. And so as the story goes, he started training stray dogs that he found on the streets of Bloomington in his family's barn. In either 1887 or 1888, I found both dates. He had his first show uh, downtown in the courthouse square. There used to be an opera house where the Fountain Square Mall is. Did his first show and he made, I think, $8 off of his first show. But it, uh, word of mouth uh, was so positive over the show that the next night they did over $100 in, in sales. 
And so that was kind of the start. He started with trained dogs and then convinced his brothers to go on tour with him. Initially they had one rail car and the dogs would sleep on one half of the rail car and the four brothers would sleep on the other half of the rail car. And then they started getting ponies also. So they were literally a dog and pony show. And then gradually it grew, uh, it became more and more popular. He started uh, performing instead of in like concert halls, performing under canvas like a regular circus, got more and more animals and then started adding human acts also, <laughs> all of your traditional circus acts, um, aerialists, rope walkers, clowns, uh, became really popular but always really uh, very much aligned with Bloomington or very connected to Bloomington. So they would always winter here in Bloomington. The big circus grounds were where Dunmeadow is now on the IU campus. That was where they had, uh, where Gentry always had their first show. And children always got into that first show free. Gentry was always really dedicated to it being a family-friendly show. And this is a time when circus was kind of seen as scandalous. There was a lot of adult entertainment going on in circuses. Gentry was always very dedicated. This will be, you know, when the ladies and children can go to without any fear. They eventually wound up having four uh, companies of the circus that would tour the country. And then in 1916, um, Henry Gentry just decided he kind of wanted to get out of the business. Even though Henry Gentry had left the circus business behind, he still had a special place in his heart for the town that helped him get his start, his hometown, Bloomington. Gentry is very involved in the life of the community. He's kind of attributed to being the reason that IU is still here in Bloomington because there, after the fire that burned down the campus, there was talk about rather than rebuilding it in Bloomington, rebuilding it in Indianapolis. And the story is that Henry Gentry went to Indianapolis with a suitcase full of money, and by the time he came home, they had decided that IU should remain in Bloomington. The circus saved IU. Correct. <laughs> After Henry Gentry retired the Gentry Brothers Circus in 1916, it was almost 70 years before the circus came back to town. Well, I came to uh, Indiana in 1983 with a high-flying trapeze and a burning passion to fly. <laughs> You could call Bernadette Pace the matriarch of the circus arts community in Bloomington, though she'd probably laugh at you, deny it, and tell you that this has all been a huge team effort. And in the 33 years that I've been here, hundreds of uh, young people have had the opportunity and the thrill of flying on the high-flying trapeze. We started a circus group, uh, doing many different acts, and it all went from there. Not one of the circus arts teachers, practitioners, or entrepreneurs that I spoke to for the story was unaware of who Bernadette Pace was. In fact, most of them were trained by or trained with Bernadette at some point in their careers. Bernadette lent me money to buy my first house. <laughs> so she's like my, who's your mama? <laughs> That's Juliana Burrell, owner of Asabella Aerial Arts, who spent 25 years in the circus arts, performed all around the country with circuses, and who began her training in circus in Bernadette's backyard. Bernadette was one of the first people to teach me aerial silks. She was Laura Pence, another student of Bernadette's, trained with her in aerial arts at Flight Club, an aerial arts club that has since dissolved. Laura co-owns Aerology, an aerial arts and fitness company in Bloomington. I watched her do a little improvisational routine, and I just knew anything was possible. Hannah Bobzine was just seven years old when she and her mother visited Bernadette's backyard for the first time. Yeah, I was I was the little seven-year-old that Bernadette sewed 
if you're tall enough, you can just be held uh, by your waist as you, and, and then you lean to the bar. But if you're small enough, too small, like I was, you have to um, also have, Bernadette had to put her knee like under my bottom and around my waist and hold me way out. So she's standing on one foot, leaning out on one arm. She's got her <laughs> knee underneath, you know, my bottom and around my waist. And so I'm just being dangled over you know 20 feet and it's just terrifying <laughs> well we started pre safety belt era janet french is hannah's mother before they had too many people crashing and burning on the net so we had no safety mm-hmm. belts when we we first started i didn't love it the very first time <laughs> i wasn't bit no and then i landed wrong and so not being oh, in safety nice. lines i like she, like Bernadette just said, you can't land standing, but I did, and immediately I buckled and then took a knee to the eye. It just hurts. <laughs> and you came back anyway. That's well, right. I, I was brought back. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, however, was pretty instantly bit by the circus bug. Like you really loved it. Oh, absolutely. It was just the best thing that could ever happen to a mother with the two daughters. I couldn't wait to pick them up at school and get there. (laughs) The more they flew, the more they loved it. Through the 90s, the French family performed in the High Flyers at every opportunity. Eventually, in the late 90s and early 2000s, Janet, Hannah, Leah, and Bernadette started choreographing and producing circus shows together. These shows not only included trapeze acts, but featured aerial silks and hand-to-hand balancing. Hand-to-hand balancing is a form of acrobatics where performers balance their bodies on each other in interesting and often gravity-defying ways. The newest official term for this style is acro-yoga. Well, the main thing we choreographed at first was a a three-person, actually it was a two-person hand Mm -hmm. balance with Leah, my youngest, and I. But then it became a three-person soon, and and then it became a four-person when... Hannah's boyfriend, now husband, joined us. Um, let's see, I've been doing this for uh, almost 20 years now. I think I started in 1998. That's Hannah Bobzine's husband, Clint Bobzine. And um, uh, <laughs> I started doing this because I met Hannah. Clint and Hannah, now married, met in high school. And Clint admits that it was meeting and wanting to impress Hannah that eventually led him to try the circus arts. I went out for the diving team because I had a crush on her and I really wanted to meet her. And um, <laughs> so we dove and I was terrible and she was really great at that point. And uh, she took pity on me and we started dating and one of the prerequisites was to uh, try the high-flying trapeze. You which, had to do that to be able to date her? Well, she didn't say it out <laughs> loud, but I knew that was one of the challenges I'd have to face. They performed their shows downtown at the Ivy Tech John Waldron Arts Center and at the Buskirk Chelmy Theater, while Hannah and Clint attended college at IU. After college, Hannah and Clint toured together for five years with various circus companies, performing a variety of acts. Around the same time, Janet and Bernadette also went out on the road with different circus companies, often together as high-flying trapeze artists. You know, once you do the show, you have to break down the trapeze and load it up travel all night, get there in the morning and put it up again. So it's, it's a lot, lot of work. And how long distances would you be traveling in those 
nice when you would pack up and, and go to the next town. Yeah. Well, it depends. It would, you know, it, sometimes two or three hundred or more. Miles, you know. miles you're talking miles, about? Miles, yeah. Yeah, because usually the tour would be, you know, a couple hours, the next city, the next biggest city, and then the next biggest city. The Royal Hannaford would usually stay for a week at each uh, engagement, so it wasn't as bad as these circuses that have one-day stands. Then you perform a lot more when you're stuck. Hannah Bobzine. I found touring was hard for the for the labor, but your your body didn't hurt as much from overuse. Yeah. She agrees that stationary shows can be less labor intensive because the performers aren't required to set up or tear down as often as they are when circuses travel. However, she remembers that producers would often take advantage of this fact by adding extra shows to the schedule. Extra performances would take their toll, but Hannah had her ways of staying as healthy and able as possible. I would just go try to find a restaurant that had good salmon. <laughs> you know, like, like really good protein with good fatty acids. Something, you know, good food would help a lot. So they call it ibuprofen candy in the circus world. So we, we used that an awful lot on the, you know, when we're doing it for weeks. That's, of course, it's not ideal, but that's really how you get through shows and then you just try to rest. More tales from the Big Top as Aubrey Cedar's story continues. I'm Yael Cassander, and this is Cafe Indiana. Eating ibuprofen like candy was one way to ensure that the show would go on. Bernadette recalls living by that mandate, even at the risk of personal embarrassment. I, one time, there was another family, another year, that we, uh, Janet uh, flew with the, uh, the flying Lunas, and I flew with the flying Lunas. The Lunas are all very little people, like uh, Francis Luna barely came up to my shoulder. Anyway, they have costumes, that, you know, of course you have to wear the costumes that match. They put this costume on, on me and say, okay, that fits, you know, fine. Barely. Fine. <laughs> okay, but you're standing there with your arms down, it's fine. You're fine. So in, in the circus act, I swing out, <laughs> holding my arms up in the air, and my boobs came up over the top of the costume. And, and I swung out and came back to the pedestal, pulled it up and was saluting to the audience. <laughs> and then it was time. And then one of the tricks I did was a birdie birdie. And that's where you, you stick your chest way out. <laughs> my, my boobs way popped out and you do the trick, come back to the board, pull it up, wave to the audience. And so I think I did tri three tricks I did. I did, and that was happened to be a Shriners. Uh, show that we were doing, the Royal Hanford was doing it for the Shriners. And sometimes they will have a couple of people standing by the net just to make sure that nobody would fall out of the net. The next day, <laughs> the the net was just ringed with people <laughs> to make sure that nobody fell out of the net. They said I didn't have to go on with the show. I thought the show had to go on. <laughs> And sometimes the stakes involved in the show going on were much greater than embarrassment. So uh, one of them, uh, the scarier experiences we had, uh, Hannah was working at the International Gymnastics Camp in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, teaching high-flying trapeze. And I was working at a nearby camp that summer as well. This is probably 10 years ago now. 
And uh, so I came over for the day just to visit, and we decided to fly on the trapeze with the staff members there. And so I was in the catcher's position, and she was flying. And uh, she came across to, to do a trick. Our timing was a little bit off, so um, she actually didn't release, and we didn't catch. And so she came back out of the trick and turned around again to yeah. return to the pedestal. And um, the other person that she was flying with grabbed the bar and, and actually ripped it out of Hannah's hand. And she fell and hit the side of the net and it spun her off into the ground really hard. I actually really don't remember hitting the net, like getting myself off the trapeze bar. I think I just let go. And I dove across the net and got down there. And then the first thing she told me when I got down there was, I can't feel my legs. But I remember falling and yeah, my legs were hurting. Um, it only ended up being a sprained ankle or something. But yeah, it was the initial weird. It felt initial. That, yeah. that really like just totally stunned her body. And yeah, we thought the worst had happened at that point. She was she was okay, but it was a really hard fall and it was really scary. But I remember um, thinking, <clears throat> where's Clint? You know, I'm laying there in pain. Where is he? <laughs> and then he gets there and I think, well, it doesn't feel any better. <laughs> it didn't help that much. <laughs> Darn it. But at least right. he's here. <laughs> right, right. In 2009, Hannah and Clint got married at the Busker Chumley Theater. Hannah, Clint, Bernadette, and Janet choreographed an entire circus show for the wedding reception, complete with a wedding-themed act between the bride and the groom. It was a whole new spin on the traditional first dance as a married couple. Bernadette made a, a cake platform that looked like a wedding eight cake. Eight feet in diameter. <laughs> okay, yeah, a big eight-foot diameter white with, with a little skirt. Stage. Stage. Like it was a stage. Cake. And so <laughs> yeah. they were the bride and the groom on top of the cake doing their hand balance. My sister at the end of the performance stood up and said, this is the best wedding I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> the circus was at the center of the life Hannah and Clint embarked on together as a couple. A year and a half ago, they opened Stage Flight, a circus arts school that offers classes in a variety of circus arts, including aerial arts, tumbling, and acrobatics. The family that you've built from the circus, both in your own biological family and outside of it, what has that meant to you? Boy, it's been, it's certainly helped me figure out what I want to do with my adult life. And it, it gave me, I think it gave me an out to just taking a job, like the, you know, whether I put it on myself or society put it on me, um, you know, that you should just get a job, settle down and, you know, work 40 hours a week. It gave me an option out of that. And, and I'd say, my husband gave me the courage to take that option out of that. So, um, and of course, without Bernadette and my mom's, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> you can cry if you want. To. I think that's all I can say. <laughs> No longer touring with the circus, cool. Bernadette and Janet have continued to nurture up-and-coming circus performers from their home base. <laughs>
Bernadette hosts regular flying hours to accommodate anyone who would want to give her backyard trapeze a try. For many years, Janet and Bernadette would set up Bernadette's trapeze on the lawn of St. Charles Catholic School, where Janet teaches PE. Yeah, for years I would take the trapeze there and do workshops with middle schoolers mm-hmm. out there on the, you know, the property, St. Charles property, and that was fun. And then they changed things and insurance became an issue, right. so we had to stop doing that. When I see kids now, you know, older kids in college, and they come back and they said, that's, that's the main thing they remember about St. Charles, that they got to do the trapeze and be in a show. And... I just think it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It is. It's like a secret life. I mean, you're going off to the grocery store. Nobody knows. <laughs> knows yes, that, they, that do. Do. <laughs> they do. They, they do. They stop you. They stop you at the grocery store and said, "Aren't you that lady?" <laughs> but, Plus, you're wearing tights and you've got chalk all over you. <laughs> <laughs> but there will be people who come up who are, you know, 30 years old and say. You know, I came to your yard when I was a kid and flew on the trapeze. <laughs> and and I won't know who they are because, you know, they pretend when they came to my yard. Right. <laughs> you can see pictures of Bernadette's backyard trapeze at WFIU.org slash arts. Next week at Cafe Indiana, WFIU's Aubrey Cedar follows the generation of circus performers nurtured in Bloomington as they build the town's reputation as a hub for the circus arts. As it turns out, hooping, juggling, stilt walking, and acro yoga aren't just for those dreaming of running away with the circus. Training in the circus arts improves participants' body image, they say, and conveys a sense of empowerment. Find out more next week when Aubrey's story continues here at Cafe Indiana.